People are the weakest link in any cybersecurity plan. We're distracted, exhausted, and often unmotivated. It's time to change the approach used to protect our businesses, technology, identity, and data. The human element has to be front and center in a war against data breaches and ransomware attacks. It's time to educate. Welcome to the Human Element Podcast. Visit our website at thehumanelement.net for more content to help you strengthen your awareness of the people problem in cybersecurity. I am Scott Gumbar, owner of Nuage Tech, a client-focused, security-minded, proactive IT service provider. Welcome to Episode 6, Multi-Factor Authentication and Social Engineering. All right, so we'll start this uh, going over a few things about multi-factor authentication and best practices, I suppose, because the problem with multi-factor authentication, you should absolutely, absolutely 1,000%, I cannot encourage you enough to turn it on in every single account that permits it. And every single account should permit it. So here's the problem. Um, I have, I don't know, two or three accounts that do not have multi-factor authentication options available on them, which just amazes me because I don't know how anybody in this, how any online application at this point doesn't have some sort of multi-factor authentication. And you'll hear people in the IT world say, don't use SMS multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentication. So you'll hear me use 2FA, MFA, multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentication interchangeably. They're not exactly the same. Two-factor authentication just means that you add another method of authentication besides username and password. That username and password would be one-factor authentication. And the federal government of the United States has already said that is not enough. And these are bad practices. If you go to the U.S. CISA's website, uh, look for two-factor authentication search. I'm not really sure. I don't remember what the article was, but it was a few months ago. And they strongly discourage the use of of just using password, username and password as a method of authentication. And the suggestion is two-factor authentication at least, at the very least. So many people in the IT world will tell you don't use SMS, which is text messaging, for your second factor of authentication. So you log in. It says, where can we send this code to? You put in your phone number or your phone number is already saved in the application. And they send you a text message with the code that you would put into the application that you're trying to log into. And that's true. You should, if, if you have an option, don't use that option. However, it is better than nothing. So if you're going to do something, at least do that. The reason it's not the best method is because of, of a couple of different hacks out there. The first one, um, somewhat well publicized now, is SIM jacking. And essentially what that is is somebody steals your phone number 
and uh, as a result now gets the text message that we just talked about in their SMS message, in their text message. And um, this has happened. This has happened to some high-level people um, over the last few years. They steal the phone number. They trick somebody at, you know, the let's say Verizon to transfer the account that's called porting to a new phone. And they do this, and then the text messages and everything else, everything that goes to your phone will now go to this new phone that somebody convinced somebody at Verizon or, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm not picking on Verizon, but Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile or, or um, Sprint, which is now part of T-Mobile, any of those, um, to transfer the number. And it does happen, and, and it could happen because you have a weak password on your on your phone account or you have a PIN number that... Um, they guessed what it was. You know, you're using your kids' birthdays. They guessed it, and now they got into your phone, your cell phone account. The other reason SMS is bad is because it can actually be intercepted. So, the, if if the person is close enough to you, um, in proximity, uh, or you're using older technology on your phone, you know, there's there's different ways to do this. Um, so this is another way that the two-factor authentication can be stolen. That's a little bit harder to do because in most cases it requires you to be within close proximity to the person, but it can be done, and it has happened. So this is why SMS is not the best solution, and you're going to see it little by little decrease in popularity, though it is still very popular. But that's not the real problem today with, with multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication, and in so multi-factor authentication, just to clarify, is going to be adding another form of authentication. So you have your your code, your code generator. Most most people are now using an app on their phone to generate codes. And so Microsoft has one. Google has one. There's one called Authy. That's A-U-T-H-Y. If you don't want to be tied to either Google or Microsoft. The good thing about the Microsoft and the Google one is that they make it uh, your logins to their accounts passwordless, which is the direction we're heading eventually. Um, so instead of putting in a password, you get a push notification through the app, and then um, you're logged in. That's in, and then you could also you could really get you could really drill down and and add. You know, you only want to log in from certain IP addresses. You only want to log in, log in certain when you're in a certain area. If you leave the country, you don't want to be able to log in. Um, you know, the assumption there is that you're not going to leave the country. And then if somebody in another country is trying to log in, then they know it's not you. And they will block the login. And I have this set up on, on some accounts. Um, <clears throat> it's an option. Uh, another way... That, so another way that it can happen is through malware. So there's malware out there that will bypass the multi-factor authentication protocol through um, Google Authenticator. So if you're using Google Authenticator, which is one of the, the apps that I just suggested, um, there is malware out there. One is called C Cerberus, which can bypass this 
multi-factor authentication method. And there are some out there, you know, Cerberus is just one example, there are others. And they will continue to grow in popularity because the attackers want to weigh in and the way in SMS is falling out of grace because people keep hearing, don't use SMS as your multi-factor authentication, but you still need multi-factor authentication. So install this app on your phone and this is how you could do it. Okay. Now there's malware out there and that will continue to be a trend. Um, there's been vulnerabilities with some multi-factor authentication. You know, those are not really much you could do about that, except just make sure that you are applying updates as they become available. Um, the example that it's, that's commonly referred to is, uh, through WordPress plugins. And I don't know, um, I don't know of any that are active at the moment, but if a WordPress plugin, a WordPress plugin has an exploit and you try to log in, uh, I'm sorry, and, you, and you're using it and it's not patched, it's not updated, then that exploit could be exploited. Um, if you're using a service like Duo or, you know, we saw, you may have seen by now, the Okta, which is an authentication platform, uh, can be compromised. And so that could be an issue too. But here's where you really, here's the whole purpose for this podcast. You know, we, we are a, a people podcast. So what, what does that mean? We're talking about the human firewall. We're talking about how people are getting around, how people are attacking through humans. So how do we get into a business network? How do we steal data? How do we launch ransomware? How do all of these things happen through humans? And here's a scenario. It's two o'clock in the morning. Your phone is ringing off the hook. You answer it. You're half asleep. And um, somebody asks you to approve a login or somebody asks you to read a code to them and you do it because you're half asleep and the phone has been ringing off the hook and you just want to go back to sleep. It happened. You know where it happened? It happened a group in uh, Brazil who is led by a 17-year-old kid was is doing this and it does work because you're half asleep, because you just want to go back to sleep, you are more likely to submit to whatever they're asking you to do. So they try to log in, you get your code on your phone, whatever it is, text message or the app, and you push the code, um, you tell the person on the other end what the code is, bad news. You should never, ever, ever do that. So here's, let's just take this, I'll, I'll pick on myself this week. I get a call at two o'clock in the morning. It's an employee of mine and he's trying to log on to a server for a client and he can't get in because we have multi-factor authentication set up on both the server and on our RMM software. Can you help me? So the RMM software requires me to push the update, to push the uh, authentication through and the duo account, um, the employee should have, but you know, maybe his phone is dead or something along those lines. That And that's the reason he's given, whatever it may be. And so I do it because it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I want to go back to sleep. I got to get up at 530. Uh, except it wasn't my employee. And I was half asleep, so I didn't realize what was going on. And if you know, you work in the IT world or any kind of business that's kind of 24-7, you know how this could happen. 
And I used to get calls at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, from a previous employer when I was on call. So about once a month, I'd be on call for a week. And every once in a while, and there was an offshore team that would uh, provide support after hours, so overnight, our time. And every once in a while, I would get a call at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I would have to deal with it. Um, not pleasant. Half the time, you're, you're half asleep. And I do remember a couple of times snapping on people because I was half asleep. My wife would tell me the next morning, you weren't very nice to that person. I'm, I, you know, I like my sleep. My The six hours I get, that's it. I like it. But it could work. So I could get a phone call from someone saying, we can't get into the system. We need your help. And then I help them get in because I have the multi-factor authentication code. Another example would be um, you allow, and there are lots of one-offs that we could talk about where somebody sets up a screen share to a server. Uh, there's just a lot of ways to, to circumvent the multi-factor authentication problem. And they all involve social engineering. But here's another tactic. So you get a call from tech support. They say there's an issue with your email and they need to connect to your computer to see what's going on. You allow them access to your computer and they get in, they get on and they do their thing. Um, they send a code and they ask you to read the code to them because they're helping you. So you figure, oh, okay, here's the code. They just logged into your email or whatever it is they're trying to log into. Okay. They just circumvented your multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentication, whatever it is. And now they're logged into whatever system they were trying to get into um, when they first called you. This is phishing. And we talked about this for the Zelle, on the Zelle podcast, which was episode three, I believe. I'll check that for you right now. Um we talked about how that works. Episode four, sorry, the high cost of convenience. Um, so they're on the phone with you called voice phishing or vishing. They attempt to log in. You get your code, whether it's through the app or through text. You read the code back to the person. They log in. And now they have free reign. They turn off multi-factor authentication or they turn it on for even worse probably is they turn it on with a new device, turn it off, turn it back on with a new device, and now they have access to your account. It's theirs. They own it now. Um, you know, social engineering. The first, these last two examples were social engineering, and, and simjacking uses social engineering as well. So now you have three methods of circumventing multi-factor authentication that are social engineering. And if you count the fact that you probably need some social engineering along the way to launch a malware attack on a phone, then now that's four. What can you do? Because this is a growing trend and it's going to continue to grow because it, as, as I've said on, on probably every podcast on this uh, series, the human element is the problem. Uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I get it. We don't want long passwords. We want to be able to log in quickly. 
there are statistics that will prove that people pr- People reuse passwords and use simpler passwords because they don't want to be bothered with password managers. They don't want to be bothered with multi-factor authentication. They don't want to be bothered with any of this. They just want to get in and do what they have to do. And I get it. I understand 100% where I can take shortcuts that don't circumvent security. I will take them. You know, If I have 30 tickets that are all the same, I'm going to close them the same way. Not one by one, I'm going to lump them all together and close them. That's Is that the best process? Probably not, but it is one that's going to speed up my workday and get me through with the things I need to get through. The, the resolution is not any easier uh, in the sense that you still have to set it up. But something that we're starting to roll out uh, are keys. And that is a USB device that you plug in to your computer and then authenticate to the application with that key. So in my scenario, I use Yubico or YubiKey. And I have now set up all Microsoft Google accounts and some other accounts, any pretty much any account that accepts keys at this point, um, to the YubiKey. And I no longer have to enter a multi-factor authentication code. I just have the key plugged in, log in, and unplug the key. That's the resolution for now. That can also be socially engineered. If you allow someone onto your computer, um, they can then still see what you're logged into or attempt to log in. The good thing is, the, at least with the YubiKey, I'm not sure the other keys that are out there, Google Titan, um, Kensington, Verimark, these are other keys that are out there. With the YubiKey, it also requires me to um, touch the key with my, my, my hand, my fingers, in order for the multi-factor authentication to work. That is the solution. That is the best solution available today. Um, it is Again, uh, you have to set it up, and it, there's a few steps in setting it up, and it's you know it it does take some time, and it's probably takes a little bit longer than setting it up through an app on your phone, and not all platforms are using it yet. So I do have a number of platforms that you cannot set up with a key at this point. Um, I'm hoping that changes, but a lot of the more secure, a lot of the a lot of the technology world applications. So let's, for example, we use LastPass. Um, as long as you have a paid, I don't, there's different subscriptions for LastPass, but as long as you have the right subscription, you can use YubiKey. If you use the free LastPass, you cannot use YubiKey. Please, 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 whatever you do, set up any form of multi-factor authentication on LastPass or Keeper or whatever password manager you use, because that is the, the key to the kingdom. Um, so that is the solution. The other solution, of course, is why we do this podcast. It's education. First of all, I now my phone is on Do Not Disturb in, from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Yes, I'm up at 5.30, and yes, I will check my phone. And yes, I do have certain phone numbers that get through the Do Not Disturb. However, I'm not going to get a call from someone random in the middle of the night saying I need help logging in because their phone number is not set up as as a number that will get through through Do Not Disturb. So that's uh, one solution as well. 
turn on Do Not Disturb in the middle of the night. Again, my schedule is 11 to 7. Do Not Disturb is on. Have policies in place to prevent that kind of unauthorized access. What I mean is have a method to verify who you're speaking to is who they claim to be. Uh, if you, you know, if you work for, if, if you're a smaller business like mine and there's only a few people, then you're probably okay. But if you're, if there's potential for hundreds or thousands of people to have your information and call you, then you'll want to um, have some type of system in place to verify that who you're speaking to is legitimately who they say they are. Um, and then, you know, make sure you're awake and alert to what's going on. And I would say uh, there should be processes in place. Of course, there always should be processes, but the education is going to be the key. Understand that multi-factor, you can't, it's not a set it and forget it type of deal. It's just, you know, now I'm 100% secure. Yes, you're dramatically more secure than you were before you turned it on, but you're not 100% secure and it could still circumvent it. People can still circumvent it and the attempts at circumventing it will continue to increase. Uh, because it is getting turned on more and more by people. So there's, there's good news and bad news. Build a better mousetrap, somebody will come along and figure it out. Or something like that. So hopefully this helps someone. And uh, until next time, remain vigilant.